All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. We're here with Cache Lou, Gopher Soccer. I love seeing this. It was like a graduate senior. Or what's the thing that says on your banner at the stadium? There's like a spe- you have a specific label, a very special label, and what is it? Graduate defender. Graduate <laughs> defender. That is. <laughs> it's like you're. It's like you have a franchise tag or something. There's like a special. Like every team is allowed one graduate defender on top of their regular defenders yeah i've never seen that before partly because the gophers have not had that many transfers in the recent years let Mm -hmm. alone someone who came in like you who played your full four years at at tcu after a redshirt injury year as a freshman and so you came in and you're this brand new but very experienced player coming in to this to this funky roster where um we have a lot of young young uh players and then you come in and you're also brand new but nowhere near as uh, as young as these these girls um so welcome to the show and just talk about uh what it's been like this season in minnesota um the season has been pretty interesting um i definitely did feel brand new at the mm-hmm. beginning um getting to know everyone getting to know our new system getting to know the coaches finally being coached by them after- <laughs> and talking to them for about five months it was great to finally get on the field and work with them mm-hmm. uh, yeah so I've enjoyed it so far well and that's the transfer process has gotten um, a little easier recently both for players and coaches where there's this new database where you kind of put yourself in there or you ask your school to put you in there and then coaches like you know, like Steph just pulls up the transfer database and she sees your name and says, whoa, isn't that a three-year starter from Texas Christian? Did this player play three years in the Big 12? So it's, yeah. it's gotten a lot cleaner than before where it kind of had to be a lot of the, either you're whispering to people and second handing information before you leave or whatever, you know, before it was so messy. Yeah. Um, and so now it's a lot cleaner. But talk about just that process of, you know, you finished your, your four-year degree and you had um, still a year of eligibility. Talk about that decision of kind of when and how did you decide, you know what, I actually want to try one more go um, and and I want to do it somewhere else and try a new opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I got injured my freshman year, um, also ended up changing majors and things just worked out where at that point, uh, there was actually a master's program that I could go right into and just stay at TCU for the five years. And so that part, um, I think everything seemed to look really good my freshman year. And then I got to um, my, what was it, red shirt junior year slash senior year. And my master's program at TCU got cut out. <laughs> So that, um, I think that was a big challenge for me and that's what really changed a lot. Um, I loved playing at TCU. I loved playing with my teammates and the girls that I came in with. And so I felt like I needed to stick by them, but then also I needed to stay true to what I wanted to do after college as well. Um, and so it was a really tough decision towards the end of the season last year to kind of figure out, okay, well, what do I want to do? Is there anything at TCU that I can do um, as far as like an academic program um, while I play here for the last season? Or do I look at my options? Um, Because I know that there are plenty of other schools that I could try and look at. And so 
I ended up following just a gut feeling that, yeah, just go for what you want. Um, and things ended up working out. And so the whole transfer process, I thought it was going to be kind of hard. Um, but it, I think the portal definitely did make things easier. Um, I got to receive emails as well as just reach out to anyone who I felt like. Um, and I actually ended up reaching out to Steph. Steph did not recruit me. And so I think I kind of fell into their lap. Um, and I was very thankful that they were interested. Um, and I think the once I got my visit in January, so it was about probably like two months after, a month and a half after I had put my name into the portal, finally got my visit to come up here to Minnesota. Um, after looking at, I think, Minnesota was my, was my last visit actually. And so it was make or break at that point and it, they took it away. They, they stole the lead. <laughs> well, and you, you just said a phrase that normal people around the world would be very scared of, which is you came to Minnesota in January. <laughs> so you, yeah. but you obviously are, you think of Minnesota as being down South. You are from Ontario. You are, <laughs> you, you have, you have thicker skin than all of us, so uh, you, you were not scared away, um, but talk about the, well, first, let's name that program you chose so we can make sure we don't cut this magical program that other big institutions don't have. What's the, what are you pursuing and what are you hoping to do after school? Um, so I am pursuing a master's in kinesiology with an emphasis in sport and exercise psychology. Mm -hmm. um, I really loved how big of a research institution Minnesota was. Uh, sports psychology is still a growing field, so not many Division One, Power Five schools even have this program, mm. and so Minnesota is one, one of like the handful of schools to look at. Oh, cool. Well, and you um, you landed here, and it just seemed like kind of a good fit. I think we can. I will say it so that you don't have to say it. I doubt that this exact season was probably what you pictured in terms of coming to Minnesota. It's been. I don't know if anyone on the staff pictured it. I certainly wouldn't have guessed that this how how it would have gone. So it's been pretty tough, only one win, but against a great opponent and then a few a few draws and some, some tough losses. Um, so it's been kind of a weird outcome, but what's it been like for you adapting to a new team after being such an ingrained part of uh, a lineup and being you know a three-year starter where you're just playing minutes and minutes and minutes with the same, same crew? Um, so what's it been like kind of adapting to that on the field where they're, you're next to some pretty experienced um people on the back line like you know marissa winningstead and athena kuhn and nikki albrecht and even maddie now has settled in as a keeper and and all of that but uh the team in general is still pretty darn young uh 10 freshmen and then three transfers so like 13 of you are new faces talk about coming into that experience um i think i was always expecting a challenge but i like a challenge and then just part of my personality. I love getting to know people, getting new experiences. Um, and so as far as learning on the field, that's what I love about soccer is that you can always learn. Um, no matter how much experience I did have, we do play different soccer than I did at TCU. And so I think playing next to some people that are very experienced, like Marissa and like Athena, Nikki, they've helped along the way um, with adjusting to playing Minnesota soccer and what it is to embody a gopher soccer. Mm -hmm. um, so that transition has been pretty easy for me mm -hmm. because they've, 
they're honestly great people and they uh, are very helpful, especially with us 13 new people as well. <laughs> spread, spread their wealth of knowledge to all of us. So from that standpoint, it, it hasn't been too bad. Yeah. Talk about coming into camp. I mean, I, I think I went to the first day's training and watched you all, but I didn't post anything about it. It was very, it was early on and it was like the first full field experience. And even yeah. I just kept wanting to ask Steph. I held myself back from asking Steph every other pass, like, wait, who's that? Wait, who's that? Wait, who's that? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, was it as crazy for you as a player as it was for us as fans? Because, I mean, a lot of those new players are playing. I mean, you're you're playing, Katie's played, Emily Bunnell's played, um, yeah. a ton of freshmen have played. So, like, even for fans, or even, like, parents, I sometimes joke, like, when a player comes in, like now Linnea has gotten some minutes, now some other people, I'm like, more, more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that it's great for the program. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, especially for the freshmen, it's great to just like step on the field, get your feet wet a bit in college soccer. Um, <laughs> I think the, the fans and the parents will get used to it and it just makes it more exciting to see, all right, this is what they look like as freshmen. We're going to be gopher fans for the next four years for you guys. Mm -hmm. And, think it's a great introduction mm -hmm. um, I'm I'm so sad that I don't have those extra <laughs> three four years <laughs> um, yeah I'll for sure still be around to cheer them on as well yeah that's great yeah. well and you um we mentioned you're from you're from Ontario you're from up in Canada and uh but you have also have a ton of experience at the youth and full levels playing with the Jamaican national team um so did you spend your whole life you know, living up in, in the same place in Ontario? Did you move there at a certain point? Um, and how did you, what was that first connection to like a national soccer federation talking to you? Cause you started pretty young, right? Was it all the way back in like 14, 17, something like that? Yeah. Um, I honestly don't remember the year. I think my first time playing was when I was 15. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was originally, I'm, Born and raised in Mississauga, Ontario, like 20 minutes outside of downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I was originally playing soccer for the Team Ontario mm -hmm. team back when I think we started U13, U14. Mm -hmm. So like the, re like the all-region team type thing? Yeah. So, in, so the, in the U.S. it might be kind of like what ODP is down here maybe, like the Olympic Development Team maybe, like the Midwest Regional or something. I don't know. Well, ours, we didn't – so we did have a regional within Ontario, and oh, then okay. the official team was just all players of Ontario okay. that team and competed at nationals. Okay. So from there, uh, I my, one of my close teammates, um, she had – gotten cut from the team Ontario team and but her dad knew someone in Jamaica who was looking for players to play at the next U17 CONCACAF competition mm -hmm. so I think it, I heard about her going and playing and playing in a few qualifiers um, mm -hmm. and then I just started thinking about my opportunity and what my opportunity looked like because the next level was playing for Canada at mm -hmm. the U17 level and I was 15 at the time and I was like okay well I don't know what my opportunity is going to be with Canada mm -hmm. but I have an opportunity right now with Jamaica right and I, I it was kind of like I knew it was there and I'm gonna go take it and I ended up playing against Canada <laughs> my, <laughs> yeah it was in Guatemala 
uh, for CONCACAF that wow. year. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's kind of how I got involved, which is just word of mouth. Yeah. Um, there's a very strong Jamaican connection in Toronto. Okay. Uh, so there, if you look at past rosters and even current rosters, there's a lot of Canadians, Americans um, that got down to Jamaica to play for the Jamaican national team right. just by and spreading and mm-hmm. getting people aware. Mm-hmm. Um, the program is in need to create a pool because we didn't have pools of players and, and we didn't have a women's team at the time when I started either. Right. I think we didn't start our women's team again until 2015. So I was there 2015 um, was when Sadella Marley, I think was probably like the first contact that we had with her. I was still in high school, just about to start my freshman year at TCU and did one camp and it was like, okay, we're resurrecting the program. Cool. Um, <laughs> And then uh, I think I, that's when I got injured. So I had to wait another four years for everything to come back around. But mm-hmm. you, you see the fruits of all the labor that happened four years later. So just Stella, Stella Marley, daughter of Bob Marley, just spreading that love in soccer. That's incredible. That's so it's so unreal. But it's also kind of the nature of what it takes to make sure uh, these federations can grow. I mean, like the. You know, if the U.S. women had never won those World Cups and gotten attention, you know, who yeah. knows if there would have been the the support and all of those things. And so it's you never know what will start the the spark of like support for stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and is it and when you um, uh, when you had to do that, was there like a lot of did it take a lot of did you have to do paperwork? Did you have to officially file for anything? Did you have to do like was it a big kind of big deal like officially filing did they did you still have to do the fifa thing where you like if it was on the youth did you not have to like change your affiliation or was what was it like yeah um so i think the fifa rules are you can't cap for Mm -hmm. the full team Mm -hmm. but if you have caps for youth teams you can still change your who you're representing Mm -hmm. now um, so I, my process at the very beginning, I had to go and get citizenship, mm-hmm. my citizenship, which I got from my dad, okay. um, born in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So and he then, was born, he was born there and had citizenship and then you got it through that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you just get citizenship and then you get a passport. Mm-hmm. And so being a dual citizen, uh, it, it was kind of nice because, a lot of my Jamaican teammates at the time, they had to worry about getting visas in order to leave to come right. for a camp in the U.S. versus I would just use my Canadian passport and be like, hey, right. yeah. You're like, no and big, no big. Transition between the two. Um, but I still really, I I think when um, we do all of the FIFA checks before competition, mm-hmm. they look at our Jamaican passport to check for nationality. Right. Well, especially because, like you said, I guess if a program – has so many players um, that are living in other countries. Although the U.S. is basically like that too. I mean, we survive on dual nationals. Like the, you know, during Jurgen Klinsmann's era, the men were just like basically dragging German dudes over from the military bases as much as we could. And then, you know, the the women haven't done it quite as much. But I, you know, once they actually start having roots in in more diverse communities, we will. There's, I mean, it's it's kind of the nature of. Uh, national team soccer I think is that there's so many people who have had to you know move to a different country or they've had to you know or I mean frankly the 
there's like some of the most famous women were like refugees, like uh, like Nadia over in in Europe and all these all these places. So it's probably just going to be even more common. So I even down there, I think it's funny that a bunch of you just take a group flight down from Toronto for those camps. That's funny. Yeah, uh, it, it was a lot of fun back in high school. <laughs> my three friends were going to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> wow, people people must have really hated you guys. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and talk about playing in that setup. Is it um, what's it like going there, where it's just such a uh, a collection of different players from tons of different setups and probably different ages and different um, different skill levels, different athleticism, everything. Talk about when you when you first went down there as like a as a teenager, or actually talk about your first full national team camp, the first time because that's that's sort of nuts. I think we've had. For those who follow the Gophers closely, we've had players who have gone to youth national team camps like Nikki Albrecht and April Bakken. And before that, you know, plenty of players like um, I think probably Kelsey Hood and others back in like 08. Um, but I, I don't know that I've ever talked to talked to someone on the Gopher squad or playing in Minnesota that's been with like a full national team setup. So talk about was it as scary as I imagine it to be or were you already ready because you'd been playing with everyone at 19s and 20s? Um, no, it was definitely scary. <laughs> um, the first camp that I had, we ended up playing exhibition games against Boston Breakers back in 2015. Um, and I remembered like one of the forwards I was defending, she was probably like six one, a couple of tattoos. She was very strong on the ball. And I was like, I'm about to go to college <laughs> and I can't even imagine like I'm playing, I'm playing the pros, but right now, but I was like college soccer. Oh my gosh. Are there forwards like this in America too? <laughs> and so it was definitely scary. Um, I was also more in my shell as well. Uh, back in high school, um, not as assertive with my leadership as well. And so I think, from, I think that camp was very scary compared to the camp that I had just recently went to. Um, it was a very different setup, very professional. I think we had a lot more people. So I think in 2015, a lot of us were still either in college or high school. Uh, now we have a good chunk of the team that are playing pro over in Europe currently. Um, so And even here in the NWSL. So I think that experience, I got to learn so much from them mm -hmm. um, still being in college. But the fact that I had some pro athletes and how they conducted themselves and how the coaches conducted the whole environment, mm -hmm. it was actually very different. And it was really cool to learn mm -hmm. about. Well, and you've been, I mean, you've been with the program at sort of the, this is going to be like the golden age or like the initial golden age of, Jamaican women's soccer because you know they they're in the world cup like oh my gosh like 2019 like historic moment of just you know I, oh my god I'm watching bunny shine the you know I'm seeing oh my god it's it was crazy and for <clears throat> especially in CONCACAF I think people um uh people maybe know that Canada has a really I don't know if Americans know this that you know Canada has had a solid a solidly successful program that Mexico is just like this giant up-and-coming program because they have Liga MX Femenil where it's every Mexican club now has a women's club and it's focused on only Mexican girls and it's focused on developing young talent so it's just like 
it's going to be this groundswell of just like dozens and dozens of high quality like Mexican soccer playing women who are just crushing it. So like everyone needs to be ready for this. And so Jamaica sneaking in now is such a such a huge deal because the World Cup is expanding later, you know, for men and women. But to make it in now is like a huge deal to be in these like lean World Cups. So talk about you, you know, I had kind of flirted out there on Twitter that, you know, I was talking about you as kind of a, a maybe a fringe bubble candidate to make it on because you'd been in one of those recent camps. In your yeah. mind, were you were you holding out hope or had you already talked to the team or what was the what was that process like of leading into the World Cup before this kind of like historic tournament? Yeah. Um, so there, I kind of knew, uh, we knew who was in the pool. Mm-hmm. I think the pool got cut down to about 33, mm-hmm. um, right before the last two camps. So one camp was in South Africa and then another one was going to be back in Jamaica for the send off where I think they're going to bring in about 28 and then cut maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I was in that pool of 33 going in and then I kept wait, waiting for the call. So then I think it was just a waiting game and I was like, okay, I didn't hear back about this. So then I kind of like knew, but then like I knew that there's still a chance because injuries happen, right. things happen. They talked about bringing some people mm-hmm. to Europe for just experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always had hope. Right. Um, it was just it was a waiting game for sure right well and now there's kind of you know it's kind of a uh a weird spot for you now where the the federation there's been some some stories out there and some players have been kind of publicly talking about that they haven't been compensated for that world cup run and so there's some disagreement between the players and the federation which has been pretty tough And then also, you know, we kind of hinted at this earlier, but the Federation has had, you know, some of their track record doesn't exactly instill a ton of confidence from the players. So it's kind of, I don't think they started off on a a very strong foot. And so this has happened where players have said they haven't been fully paid for um, the last tournament, or I think the World Cup cycle is what they described. And so players have now been boycotting the Federation, but now Olympic qualifiers or at least Olympic preparation has been started um, and so just talk about that process. Cause I know you're, you're one of those players where they probably would have wanted you coming in, you know, underneath those players who, um, haven't been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, I don't know if you've seen an update, but they got paid two days ago. Oh, oh, yes. We we're, we're making it. It's yes. happening. Cache. So I- That's great. Yeah, so um, they, uh, I know a couple of the girls have posted on Instagrams that they are very thankful for all the support that they've gotten mm-hmm. um, with helping boycott the Federation because mm-hmm. it, they, it finally came through. Right. Um, and so I think that is one step in the right direction mm-hmm. as of now. Um, I don't think the coaches have been compensated yet, and so I think there's still an issue there. Right. Uh, I definitely, I am like high hopes about Olympics right now, um, especially with gopher soccer season mm-hmm. happening right now. I think there's also more Olympic qualifying towards the end of November and even maybe the beginning of the new year as well, mm-hmm. uh, depending on how they do the Caribbean qualifiers and then moving on to CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. So I still have high hopes um, to stay in the pool mm-hmm have the opportunity um olympics next summer would be amazing 
uh, to qualify for and to participate in as well. Mm-hmm. So who are some of those, who are some of those big rivals uh, that you'd be looking to show down in the, in the Caribbean cup? Cause I actually, I went to college with a guy who was from the Bahamas and for yeah. them, Jamaica's the big bad monster. Yeah. So, so, for, so who's, who's the, who's the rival for you all in the, in the gonna, Caribbean phase? Yeah. In the Caribbean, um, it's always Trinidad. Yeah. Or, and I think when we were younger, um, sometimes Cuba would sneak in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but right now, Trinidad and, and Tobago, uh, they're, they're always a big rival. Yeah. Um, even growing up in Toronto, it was kind of like you're one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I think that even if you look on the men's side too, like the rivalry. Can I say, yeah. how dare you bring up Trinidad Tobago to an American? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> they, sorry. They are, I, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm, yeah, I'm only 31, but I remember when I was a teenager working in a restaurant and the TV was on and my brother and I would turn the TV on to the U.S. soccer games and yeah. in this crappy little town in northern Minnesota and the U.S. was beating Trinidad and Tobago like 13 to 0. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> being like, what the hell, guys? Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're we're letting them just like out sprint us. We're, have we stopped trying? Like, because all these countries have been like Trinidad and Tobago is, is frisky. They are like they work hard. They play hard. I mean, they and you said even like a country like Jamaica, which I don't think is known as like a a women's soccer Goliath, but it still has all these players who are going over to Europe and playing in the professional leagues. And so they're getting tons of good reps. I mean, they're playing against in quality games, or at the very least, they're playing. They actually are playing games. I mean, in plenty of countries around the world, these women don't even have like decent leagues to be playing week in and week out. So like the team is getting those reps. So we will maybe we can turn all of Minnesota into a a a pro Jamaica Caribbean Cup uh, fan site for you. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> well, and that's great that that's great that they got paid. I know the um, I think people when people talk about equal pay, you know, after the World Cup and and the focus has been on the U.S. women uh, getting equal compensation. Something about winning multiple World Cups in a row makes people want to support them, I guess. But it's the in a in a confederation like Concacaf, which does make money. I mean, like Concacaf makes money on gold cups and rights and everything, and so. Just because individual nations might seem like they can't individually invest at the level of like a Germany or England or Spain, the Confederation has money to invest in these programs. And so it's kind of, I think having stories like Jamaica um, elevate like this one recently in that boycott working, it should also be a pressure to CONCACAF to actually like invest some of these dollars because they get, I mean, they have plenty of money to make modest investments in these, um, in these, in these federations. And I don't know if, you know, since you've been in there so long, if you have a sense of, you know, does, does the, do the people, you know, in the Jamaican Federation, I mean, do they have a frustration with that or is it just kind of like, Hey, trying to build brick by brick? Um, I think it's kind of split in half. Yeah. uh, Federation. Um, I think we're still, in a stage where the men are more important than the women yeah for the programs even the youth programs mm-hmm. uh, and so i think as far as opportunity it's split half and half for who's fighting for what within the federation mm-hmm. so i don't know when if, if concacaf were to intervene a little bit 
and mm-hmm. kind of provide a structure as well, mm-hmm. how it may change mm-hmm. and how much it would help. Because I know in Jamaica, they're trying to have a girls league down there, mm-hmm. but it's not that great currently. And mm-hmm. so most of the players like Jody Brown, who is at the world cup, she's 16. Um, yeah. <laughs> she goes to high school in Florida because playing down in Jamaica is, is not good enough for the development that she needs in right. order to get to university. Right. Um, so I think if CONCACAF were to intervene with something that was actually structural, mm-hmm. um, that could be led by someone. I know the Federation has CONCACAF representatives mm-hmm. uh, in, within the Jamaican Federation. So if something were to actually work out and it was organized um, mm-hmm. and it was the right people running it, right. I they think that CONCACAF could do that in many, many countries and help out. Right. Well, and like you said, the structure is pretty key. I mean, part of part of what's made some efforts in other countries successful is they take advantage of an existing structure and mm-hmm. then leverage it. You know, so like in Mexico, all of those clubs are tied to an existing club. So um, or in, in places like, you know, across across all of Europe. But the when the you know, it's when the Federation makes a requirement that to get X you know, to be a men's club, to be able to go play in the gold cup, in the, you know, confederations cup, in the whatever, in the nation's league, whatever version of it you want, you have to have a certain, you have to have a certain setup is it's kind of like the, the model is there because, you know, a place like Mexico for Mexico to just be running laps around the rest of CONCACAF is like, Hey guys, they're right there. They're showing us all up and they're going to destroy us. So Let's, let's catch up a little bit. <laughs> well, and and so, Cache, we won't keep you too much longer, but you're in. Now you're in the throes of Big Ten soccer. You've had a, a couple of games. Um, yeah. And just talk about kind of what's the, what's the focus of the team uh, at this point of the year because you've had – there's so many times where it's, it's really easy to say this, but I think it's true. There's so many times where there's been pretty decent games. You know, the team has played pretty well, and then the result doesn't fall or – or you defend well and only make a couple of weird mistakes as a team, but then no goals get scored, all that kind of stuff. So the team has actually looked pretty pretty decent for large stretches of games, and then just the results aren't there. But what's it what's it been like internally, or what's the what's the focus going forward in terms of just trying to um, right the ship a little bit? Um, I think we have a big focus on uh, this Friday. Uh, we know. We have nine games left on the season, mm-hmm. and so that currently is our focus. Those nine mm-hmm. games are our priority in turning the season around. Mm-hmm. It starts this Friday. Um, I know that there is a lot going on. We uh, have a lot of alumni coming in this weekend for support, and so I think it's going to be very emotional, um, very good. Um, as far as our focus as well, and it's a great opponent uh, mm-hmm. to respect. And so I think that our main focus is pretty much working game to game because we know we are very limited at this point to get the results that we need to turn the mm-hmm. season around and get more games in our in our pocket. Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the objectively, like the 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 path, you have if if people want to daydream about a postseason the path is to 
get to a certain point in the Big Ten standings to just qualify for the Big Ten tournament and then just go full-on Cinderella and just take that bad boy down. Because last year, it's easy to forget because every time you're on a game, the announcers are like, oh, defending Big Ten tournament champions, and it's easy to forget. The Gophers were the number seven seed last year. It's not like they came in as tournament favorites. Every single game was an upset. Yes, absolutely. I, I watch those games, and I will tell you, even as someone who's a, you know maybe the weirdest fan of this team in the world, I was still surprised at some of those results. I was like, wow, they are pulling it off. I mean, the team just turned it on. And yeah. so I, I did joke, here, we can get your take on this. When there was the crazy lineup switch to move Nikki up and to move Athena up, what was it like for you? You were still, you and, you and Riss were still in the back holding it down. What yeah. was it like for that chunk of 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, when you lost your uh, your co-pilots back there and they drifted up in the offense? Because I thought it actually looked pretty frisky. It was a really interesting lineup. But what was it like for you in the back uh, kind of watching um, how it worked in such a different lineup? Um, I think at that point, my mindset was like, all right, we need to go get a goal. Right. And uh, it was 2 nothing at the time. Um, so yeah, it was like, all right, we're putting our numbers up there right now. Right. Our, I, like we know that, P, that P, Nikki is a player that is going to be like, I- I'll take this on my back and go and try and do it. Thines is a player that's like, all right, you want me to go and dribble? I'll, I'll go and dribble through these people and try and get an opportunity. Um, and so I was excited to see them up there. Um, it definitely was different. Um, but I was, I wasn't worried about our back line. I was more so like, go ahead. (laughs) And then the big, well, and obviously the big question now, are you, have you been texting Steph? Like, Hey, put me up top. I got, put me in. I'm I'm ready to score some goals. (laughs) Um, me personally, I I think I hit a crossbar playing. (laughs) Uh, and so I'm, I think I'm going to keep driving forward and looking for those opportunities as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as our game on Friday, I don't know. It, we could end up with a very frisky lineup. <laughs> <laughs> was so. that was that with your left too? That was a hell of a hit. It was right. Yeah, it was right off the crossbar. Yeah. Uh, Is that? Was, yeah, it was my left foot. Nice. I, wait, are you left footed? Am I giving you too much credit? No. <laughs> yeah, that's I I forget. Co- Coach lists her all of her left-footed players and talks about how much she's so obsessed with left-footers. So I forgot. I forgot. So all credit to you for an off-footed shot. You crushed yeah. it. It was great. And the next one will go in. I know. <laughs> and that's <what> I'm... <laughs> so you have you have Penn State on Friday, right? Mm-hmm. And then Ohio State Sunday. So you got mm-hmm. the states coming in. Both high-quality programs. Um, Cache, thank you so much for taking so much time with us. Ontario to Texas with many, many trips to Jamaica and the Caribbean in between, and then now to Minnesota. We're lucky to have you, um, and good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you, too.